right? So, before we go into the word, uh, today's sermon will be the continuation of what I shared last week. It's, uh, I shared last week about trap. Everybody say, it's a trap. I shared about how the devil used offense as a trap. And I titled the sermon last week, A Trap. Okay, it's about being trapped by offense. And I finished off with two important principles last week about us, how to live happy and to live healthy. The most important things that we need to understand and apply in our life is to forgive and to forget. Everybody say, forgive and forget. Point to your neighbor, come on. Forgive and forget. If you want to stay happy, if you want to stay healthy, we need to learn how to forgive and forget. And to forgive is not to let the offensive people go, but the truth is to forgive is to let the offended person, that is you, free. To be free from the trap of the devil. And to forget is not to lose our memory of the hurtful event that happens to you. To forget is not to review the hurt things that happen in your life. So that you can turn our past hurting wounds into heal scars. We can get healed. We turn from hurt to heal. So we need to understand to forgive is to give, to let go, to release the, of, the offensive people go. And to forget is to get healing. Amen? How many of you recall that? How many of you are blessed by the word of God? Yes. Amen? So relationship is always the context of events, of offense. Relationship is always the context of offense. Alright, so because we are not living our life isolated, we will be offended from time to time, week to week, day by day. Offense will surely come, but being offended is our choice. It's our choice. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 55, verse 12 to 14. All right. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walk about among the worshippers. How many of you realize that sometimes we are offended not just by outside people? We are offended and the, the deepest and the greatest offense, the deepest hurt that happens into your life, not coming from people who, who is outside, strangers, but someone who is close to you. People you worship with, or even the guy preaching a message today. My companion, my close friend, the person who sleeps next to you. It could be your parent, 
It could be your children. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. It could be someone that is dear to you, that makes you feel hurt. Saying something means something hurtful. I can't, I can't believe your kids, you allow your kids to eat that Krispy Kreme? That's full of trans fat, that's full of sugar and trans fat. Wow, 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 look at, look at you. I didn't see you for two weeks and you get so much, you are, you are, you are so fat. Hey, 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 don't, don't go on diet all the time. You are so skinny, you are like a walking lamppost. Some, some people, we have to understand, some people say hurtful things to us just like that. We have to understand sometimes friends, our friends, people, they have such an intelligent IQ, but they have a very low EQ, how to socialize with people. Or probably that's the way the family bring up in the family. Offense will surely come from someone that you know. But the, quens- the question that I want to pose to you, the question is, what do you do when you get hit by offense? What do you do? What do you do, church? What do you do, my friend? What do you do when you get hit by offense? You get even? Or you shoot back? Offense with offense? Or is there something better for us to respond? So here is my sermon title for today. Are you ready? Here's the sermon title. From offense to defense. We don't retaliate. Offense with offense. We go from offense to defense. To go from offense to defense. To defense does not mean you don't stand up what is right. Come on. To defend, it doesn't mean you are a punching back. I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to fight you. You can hit me on the left. I give you my right. I'm a Christian. No, it doesn't mean that you are a punching back as a Christian. I'm not going to fight you. No, it means you know which battle to choose. You know you choose a better way to fight offense. Come on, are you ready to learn from the Lord, from the Word of God today? We move from offense to defense. Amen? To defend, it does not mean you go very defensive in your arguments. There's a quote, some quote that says something like this. Alright? Offense win games, but defense win championship. If you know, if you watch NBA basketball, they will always say this. We gotta improve on our defense. Because offense will only win game, but the defense will win championship at the end. But here you go. Your pastor says, offense will win arguments. But defense win relationship. 
What's the use of winning arguments but lose your relationship with loved ones, with your brothers, with your sister, and you leave the house, you leave the church, you leave the company? What's the use of winning an argument? I would rather lose an argument but win, but win and save relationships. Relationship. To switch from offense to defense means you choose which battle to fight to save your relationship. To defense is not to put up your fist, to put up your duke in front of you, to be defensive in your arguments. No. To defense is to guard what matters the most in saving you and your relationship. You don't want to get hurt. To defend is to save you and your relationship. We move from offense to defense. So, what do you do when you get hit by offense? What do you do? I want to share one and only one thing. Guard your heart. When offense comes and hit you, this one thing there's not two ways about it. There's only one way. Guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything. Everybody say everything. Two, three. You do flows from it. Church, you don't want to be in a relationship and have your heart hardened because of offense that the person did to you. You don't want to be in the relationship and you feel offended. You can be in the relationship, but you have this cold war. You are not in speaking term. Being offended is more than just being angry. It's more than being hurt. Being offended is holding tight onto grudges, onto bitterness, on the unforgiveness, hatred, and allowing that offense. To, to, to change and contaminate your heart. It affects your heart. It affects your heart condition. Offense causes hardness of heart. You just don't want to listen. I don't care what she's going to do. I don't care whether she is well or not well. I just don't care. You can be together, but your heart has been hardened because you don't guard your heart. Offense is dangerous, my friend. It's because it makes the person who is offended blind. 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 It will make you blind to the other person's positive qualities. You just can't see that he's good at something. You're just blinded. Everything that you see are all her flaws. And their flaws. Give me a, give you an example. Perhaps... This might be happening in a family, in any relationship, but in, as an example, perhaps a wife, you know, comments something about her husband, disrespect her husband by, by, by saying something negative in front of his friends. And that is, that is something that is, to me, myself, you, I have to highlight it to my wife. That's going to be hurtful. If you want to comment negative things, you say it privately. 
But if let's say the wife comments something negative to about his husband, about her husband, in front of his friend, that is hurtful. And instead of like resolving the conflict, forgive quickly, he get offended, he get angry, he get hurt. So now, what happened? Offense has blinded him, not to see her parts, her good parts, only see all the bad things. She will see, not only she is disrespectful to her, to her husband, she also isn't good as a housewife. She cannot cook. She spent too much time with her friends. She, she, she got this irritating voice every time she call up her, her kids. I, yeah, he just hate the way she love. She love. And now, now, now to him, now the problem is no longer about what she did wrong. To him, the problem is her. She is the problem. From offense to defense, meaning you know which battles to fight. When you choose not to be offended by guarding your heart, you are actually protecting your relationship and your heart from getting hurt. How many, of you know, how many of you know that no one can break your heart if you don't allow them to? People break our hearts because we allow them to break our hearts. The reason you are easily offended because your heart is not secure. The reason your heart is not secure because you don't guard your heart. As simple as that. How many of you know that if you have something that is valuable, okay, you need to protect it, you need to secure it, you need to guard it. A diamond is secure when someone guard it. Okay? The diamond is not secure if it's not guarded. Meaning another way to explain to you, insecure heart because you don't guard your heart. You know someone say insecure and you know that person doesn't guard his heart or her heart. Insecure because you don't guard your heart. This is so important to care for the condition of our heart not to hold on to grudges. And every time offense comes, it will contaminate your heart, polluted your heart. We need to guard our heart because our heart, everything flows from the heart. Our heart affects how we interpret the world around us and how we perceive everything that, every, everything that people say and do to you. It determines how we interpret and we perceive the world. You can't control what people do. You can't control what people say. You can't even control what happens to you. But if you can guard your heart attitudes, you keep things right with God and with yourself. Amen? So my point is, guard your heart. Because everything flows from it. Now, now church, are you following? In the defense 
I'm talking about defense. In the defense, if you want to defense from any attack, in the defense tactic, you don't just put up your fist in the defense. You don't just put up your duke just like this. That's it. All That's all you do? No. There's something else in your tactic. You need to know where you stand. You need to know where to position yourself. You need to know how to move from side to side. That's how you defense. So let me, let me, let me give you what a good defense is. How many of you love boxing? How many of you love boxing? How many of you know Mike Tyson? Surely you know. How many of you know Floyd Mayweather? How many of you know Canelo Alvarez? No? Floyd Mayweather was very good in defense. And he beat this guy, this young guy called Canelo Alvarez, when he was like 19 or 21. The boy, the young boy is really good, was champion. But because Floyd Mayweather know how to defense, he beat the young boy. And now this young boy was a champion because the lesson that he learned from Floyd Mayweather learned one thing and one thing only. How to defense. You guys want to watch it? Let me show you this. One more time. All right. The best defense is to make the man miss. When else in the church you are watching a boxing match? Only in NBC, right? Come on. Let's watch this. Yeah, and you're at least a, a jab. Lots of jabs. Nothing landed. However, Canelo is moving and not punching. And it sets up right hands like that that just barely miss. You can also throw that right hand downstairs, but the jab starts all that. And look, that's good defensive work by Canelo Alvarez. There's no question. around the ring with his feet. His head movement has been brilliant in the last couple of fights. This is fantastic defense in this round from Canelo, and he punctuates it with a jab. Look at him slip all these shots. The hardest thing to do in the ring. Make the man miss. That is a beautiful display of defense. And Canelo's That's a beautiful defense by Canelo Alvarez. The best defense is to make the man miss. To defense not only to put up the fist in front of you to protect your gut, your heart, or to protect the gut, your vitals. The best defense is to also know where to position yourself. You need to know how to move from side to side. Okay, when offense comes, it's very important for you to know how to make the man miss. Your defense for not getting hit by offense. Your defense for not getting hit by offense. We need to learn this. Everyone, we need to know how to overlook an offense. This is where you dodge. This is where you slip away. This is where you slip away, move side to side, and make the offense miss, hitting your heart. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him passion. In another translation, makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to, everybody says, overlook an offense. Do you know what's the meaning to overlook? To overlook means to fail to observe. You just don't get it. Just don't get it. What did he do to me? What did he do to me? I just missed it. Overlooks. 
If you want to be known someone with wisdom, then you must learn how to overlook an offense. Offense will come to you from the left, from the right. But if you know how to overlook an offense, you won't get hit. Mature Christians don't get wounded easily by insensitive comments. It is to your glory, Solomon says, to overlook an offense. You know, you will be more respected and take care of your mental health by ignoring, ignoring, overlooking at hurtful comments from people. You just need to ignore. You just need to overlook. You just need to make it miss. Now, if you want to learn how to overlook an offense, I want to bring up one case. All right? Uh, let's, let's learn it from the man, David. First Samuel chapter 17. All right? Are you ready? This is so good. First Samuel chapter 17. How to overlook an offense. Verse 17. Now Jesse, David's father, said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain or the food, these ten loaves of bread for your brother, and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. So early in the morning, David left the flock because David take care of the sheep. He left the flock in the care of the shepherd. So he's responsible. He just don't left it like, left just like that. He loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had directed he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Now, David left his thing with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brother how they were, just to check out on the brother, bring, his, bring them food. David's so nice, right? Nice, right? Just obey his pattern, bring food to your brothers. Jethro, bring food for Jordan, Jordan for Jethro. And so, and so some of you bring food just to check out your brother. How is it? How is it? All right? And then verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from God, stepped out from his line and shouted his usual defense. And David heard it. Verse 26. All right, let's move on. Verse 26. Then David asked the man standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? So David just checking out, What will be done for the man who killed this Philistine? Because I think David knows how to do it. He, can, he could kill this Goliath. So he's checking out, What's my reward? Right. What's my re- what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Watch now. Watch now. All right. Verse 28. The offense comes. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with that man, he burned with anger at him and asked, what have you come down here? Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are 
and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. You know, when, when that kind of accusation comes to you, when you have a good intention for your brother, but your brother didn't just recognize it, but instead accuse you, you just come down to watch the battle. In fact, the truth of the matter is David was to check out his brother and bring some food. And then this is what David said, verse 29. Watch now. Now what have I done? Said David. Can I even speak? Verse 30, this is the key word. He then turned away. Everybody says turn away. He turned away to someone else and brought out the same matter. And the man answered him as before. The man, the crowds, answered him as before. He's the defense tactic. He's the defense mechanism from David to overlook an offense. Turn away and carry on. Church, you need to know how to overlook an offense. You need to turn away and just carry on. If an offense comes to you, you need to know how to, everybody say, turn away and just carry on. I don't know how you do it, but you need to turn away. Turn away probably to some of you, just do it like this. Turn away. Can we do that? All right, young people only, all right? When an offense comes to you, you just need to turn away. Turn away and carry on. All right? The first reaction, every time there's an accusation, an offense comes, it is natural for your anger to flare up. You want to get even. But the best way to not get hurt against such person, but to learn to overlook an offense. David turned away from his brother's offense, and he carried on. He asked the man, what could be done to the man who killed this Goliath? Of course, if you read this whole story, the man says, the kings will reward you greatly and even give you his daughter. So David was interested in that because he knew he could kill Goliath. He just turned away from offense and carried on. Nothing touched his heart. Nothing. And I found another occasion how this man, David, chose defense of offense. He chose his battle. He chose how to fight and win the battle. I want to show you this. This is good. First Samuel chapter 19, verse 10. The same thing happened. Now, Saul, the king Saul, tried to nail David to the wall with his what? With his spear. But David, watch, David dodged it. David just defense, dodged it, and Saul's spear struck to the wall. David fled, escaping that night. Some of you will call. The world will call, are you coward? But David knew how to overlook an offense. More than just an overlook of an offense, this is trying to kill, 
to kill him, he turned away from his brother's accusation. He dodged Saul's spare and fled. Not because he was scared. Not because David, he could not be offensive and retaliate. Just as a reminder, he killed Goliath by throwing something. Do you think, as David church, now you watch, do you think, let me ask you a question, do you think if David just plucked that spare and throw it back, do you think David will miss Saul's forehead? He won't. And I'm telling you, there will be a different ending to the story. David is the man who killed Goliath and King Saul on the forehead. If he chose offense with offense, but he didn't. Not because he couldn't, he wouldn't. Because he got his heart. He got his heart. The only time David got so close to touch Saul, the person who want to kill him, is only one story, one time, one event. This is what David did. Okay, he cut off a, car- a corner of Saul's rope. You know, as a king, you got that rope flowing. David, when he gets so close, he cut off a little bit from Saul's rope, the corner of it. It's like, to me, when I read it, it's, to me, it's like no big deal. No big deal. To a person who tried to kill you, if there's somebody like punch you in the face so badly and what you did, to that person is to pinch. You are so bad. It's just no big deal. But this is, watch this. Watch this. First Samuel chapter 24. This is what David after, this is what happened to David after David cuts off Saul's corner. 24 verse 5. David's heart troubled him. David's concern, conscience bothered him. Because he had cut off Saul's rope. The heart troubled him. He didn't choose offense. He chose to defense. He chose to get away. Because he know which battle to fight. And so church, it is so clear to me the reason why God named David the man after God's own heart is because David's got his heart from any offense to offense to offense to another offense. He just keep guarding his heart because of his heart. There is a verse that says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at at the appearance, but God look at the heart. Do you know when the first appear? The first, this first, this statement, this voice of God appears to Samuel. When Samuel almost anointed the wrong person. And this, this voice of God appeared to Samuel. I choose, I look at the heart. So that Samuel will anoint the right person, the young boy, David, who's not present, but he's out there. So it is clear to me God chooses the men, qualify us to be used by God, not because your ability to kill, ability to do mighty things, it's because you got 
your heart. Let me end with this. Ask the, the, the keyboardist to just come forward and sing a song. Prepare the uh, worship leader, prepare a song. Let me end with this. All right. After David became the king and eventually Saul died, Saul died, the person who wanted David died already passed away. And this is what David did. Okay. David searched for Saul's bones everywhere to give a proper burial and the honor that Saul deserved as a former king. Church, this will not happen to a person to treat someone, the enemy who tried to kill him, search everywhere, search the bone and pay to pay a respect to someone who tried to kill him. Just won't happen if David did not guard his heart. Just won't happen. I mean, how could you go and find someone, the person is already dead and that person is so evil to you and yet you, it bothers you, I mean, it troubles you to just search the bones and pay all the necessary costs to just bring the bones and pay the respect. You won't because you got your heart. Let me show you the first. Second Samuel 21, verse 13. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there. And the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathered up. So David instructed the people. So they, the people, buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zela in Benjamin and did everything the king or David commanded. After that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. The land had suffered famine for three years. Church, when you got your heart, you can do more than just forgive. You bless. You bless the enemy. You bless the person who tried to hurt you. You bless. Not only you forgive and forget, but a person who got his heart from offense, he will just come up. I'll dodge. It doesn't matter. But I will not return with offense. I will bless you. And that when happen, God is going to answer your prayer. God is going to answer your prayer. Probably something famine in your life. Probably God just ignore your prayer. That's happened. That's biblical. Because there's a verse that say, if you have something unsettled matter with your brothers, leave it, leave it, leave it there and settle it. And then bring your prayer. And then bring your sacrifice. If you can do that, God's going to answer your prayer. Amen? Let's just close. Let's just stand. Let's just stand together and ask the wind to just sing one song. That's not the last songs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So here I bow to give you Jesus, be glorified and all praise. Come on with all your heart. Sing a songs to the Lord. I am yours. 
for the word of God, Jesus. We, would, we do not want the word of God to just slip out of our hearts to God and gone for it. But the word of God today will come to our heart and change our heart. God. Father, I just want to pray. I just want to pray for young people in this room. God's requirement to use a person for His purpose is not because of your ability, your ability to kill a child or your ability to do mighty things. God's requirement for you is just God, your heart just like a young David. God selected David when he was still a boy doing his thing not mighty things. I want to pray to some of you, young people, to guard your heart, not to allow anything to defile your heart, contaminate your heart from everything that you see or you hear. You guard your heart. God want to use you. God want to lift you up. It's time there will be next generation coming up from the young people for the church, for the generation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to pray some of you in this room who have been hurt, hurt deeply. And hurt deeply by someone that you know. You were so close. I don't know who might be. But God's word today is so clear. It's for all of us. It's not meant to specifically meant to you, but if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you respond. You've been hurt so deeply and you do not want to let go. God's word today, not only for you to forgive, to forget, but to bless. You don't wait for him to apologize. You don't wait for him or for her to just come to you and settle the matter. You come to them and settle the matter and bless them. And that very moment, God is speaking to you. I will heal you. I will heal your voice. I will heal your situation. I will heal your condition. I will heal you. I will heal your financial. I will heal 
everything that has been famine for a long time. God will heal you. If it is you, respond to the word of God in a way that you can. And here I bow. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. There will be reconciliation in our relationships. We do not want to be trapped. We want to be free. Amen. Let's lift up both our hands and receive God's blessing, God's favor, pouring into your life. Let the grace of God, the Father, flow from the Father. Every perfect gift comes from the above. Flowing down from the heavenly Father. And the grace of Jesus Christ, the favor that comes from Him because of what He's done on the cross, is for you. The anointing and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who is with you, always be with you. You don't have to fight back. God, I pray that you give us the strength and the wisdom to overlook an offense and to bless the people. Bless your church, bless your people. In Jesus' name. All God's people says, Amen. 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 God bless you. Happy Sunday.